When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate using more of their mind than their money, using creative real estate investing strategies with an emphasis on retiring early. And if this is your first time here, really glad that you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you for continuing to share this with your friends and family. We just would not be going on 12 years if it weren't for you doing that. So thank you. Uh, I got a great guest for you today. Going to discuss notes. And then I've got the news, of course, and this week in crypto. Today's sponsor of the show, REI Blackbook. REI Blackbook is everything you need to run your real estate investing business all in one place. Convert more of your leads into deals and build a predictable sales system with the only all-in-one marketing and sales toolkit built for investors just like you. You can get 14 days of free access plus their automated follow-up machine absolutely free at epicblackbook.com. Epicblackbook.com. All righty, let's get right into it. Our guest today has been investing in real estate since 2001. He's done just about everything there is to do in real estate and even experienced the crash firsthand in 2008 and lived to tell about it. He's bought, fixed, rented, sold, flipped, or been a lender on a thousand plus properties, but has found his sweet spot in performing and non-performing real estate notes. As with them, he feels in control of his own destiny. He's going to share with you all about that today. So please help me welcome to the show, the note guy, Mr. Nick Legamaro. Nick, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, good to catch up. I know. Uh, it's nice that we're coming out of this, this COVID thing. Uh, before we talk about that and your business and what you do and what you see for the future, Tell me, what, what were you doing just before you got into real estate investing and what had you make that transition? That's a great question. It's been a long time since I've been doing this since the early 2000s. I mean, I, I was pre-crash pre by about five years. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I before that, I worked corporate. I went to, I went to college, got a degree, went, I came out of college, went to work for uh, uh, Pepsi-Cola right out of college and they taught me everything I wanted, what I wanted not to know about making money for other people. And I figured at some point in time, if I'm going to work this hard, um, maybe I should try to figure out how to make it for myself than for other people. And it took me a little bit of while to get to that point, but um, not terribly long. I, I think I was pretty fortunate because here's the problem. And I, I'm going with this, my, my own kids, right? My daughter's just literally graduating from the university of Texas like tomorrow. And 
Congrats, is, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I, and congrats to hers. But but the thing I try to try to communicate with them, I go, if you ever want to start a business, or you ever think you want to do anything on your own, or you ever want to take that chance, now is the time to do it. Not wait because you don't have the responsibilities now. If you go get the corporate job, you're stuck, man. You got the golden handcuffs on you. That's how they they lock you in, and it's really really hard to rip away from that once you start getting the the insurance and the paid vacation and that paycheck whether you show up for work or not it's really really difficult to walk away and that's why i tell people you need to you really need to start start now not later and you can't wait because the longer you wait the further you go down that road and then you eventually got to turn around and come back that other direction to go down the path that you ultimately want to take mm -hmm. so how long did you wait then I started a couple companies in the late 90s. Uh, I was probably in the corporate world for uh, about five or six years. And mm -hmm. then I started doing some other stuff in telecommunication. And, you know, I had one of the, we had one of the very first uh, VoIP over anything companies. We did it back then when you had to pay for long distance. And we had a bundle service just to show how think far things have come along now. And then I got into real estate in early 2000s and early 2000. But then back then, Matt, there wasn't a lot of stuff out there. There wasn't education. There wasn't REI groups. There wasn't meetup. There wasn't data readily available on the internet uh, to consume. I mean, you, it was all extremely, extremely manually driven. And I was, um, and I, and for the first four or five years, I did really low end fix and flips, sold them to other investors that had more experience than me, and they turned them into, into rental properties, and that's what they did. And then 08 comes along, and um, we know what, what happened there. And I, I took about a year off and starting in 2010 um, is when I really got back into real estate again and really, really, really put a really conscious effort into figuring out what model I wanted to follow, why I wanted to follow it and how I was going to accomplish that. Because I, I, I knew the whole time that the way that you build wealth and is through, is through real estate. There is really no other option in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Maybe crypto. No, just kidding. I'm not, <laughs> not a crypto guy, man. Oh, you're not? No, I mean, I'm, no. I, I'm thinking about it, but yeah, you know, but hey, let borrow some of your money. I'll see what I can do with it. How's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm all in. I've been in since 2017, so I'm starting to mesh the two together. I know, man. Well, I wish I was in, you know, there again. Hey, I wish mm -hmm. it was in then. Now everybody's saying, right. oh, now it's too late. Sort of like the whole wholesaling game, man. If anybody had wholesales and has been doing it for a while, they go, I cannot pay in that money for that property. I could have bought that property five years ago for half the price. Yeah. And they're 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 failing to see the the opportunity that what it's going to be going forward versus and they get they get stuck in their ways on what it was before and it you know par paralysis by analysis right and mm -hmm. you know getting nothing done. Right. The question is, what are you going to say ten years from now? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's exactly how you got to look at it and. Um, it's not going to change. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's going to, the, the environment's going to change as far as the real estate market, but building wealth in real estate probably will never change. Yeah. It's really kind of the final frontier that we have available to us, at least for the average person, right? Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. You can, there's 50 different ways you can make money, probably a hundred different ways you can make money. And they're all very, very viable options. It's all about execution. At the end of the day, it's just about executing on whatever that path is that you want to take and making it happen and not, you know, waiting for excuses or coming up for reasons why you can't get it done. Totally. So great transition. What's your one way? My one way is I'm all about being the bank, Matt. A hundred percent. I'm all about being the bank. I'm all about controlling, not owning 
real estate. And what I mean by that is, you know, in some way, shape, or form, to be able to, con- to control the property by having a mortgage note, be the bank. You know, if you in every city that you go to, Matt, the biggest buildings in every city are bank buildings. They have Bank of America or Chase or Fargo on the top of them. And there's a reason that is that way. And they've learned a long time ago how to control and not own and how to leverage and how to secure their investment by securitizing it through the property itself. Mm-hmm. And I figured if it's good enough for those guys, it's probably good enough for me. Mm-hmm. That's really that's really it. And I'm pretty bullish on it, to be quite honest with you. Got it. No, and that's good. I, I want someone to to take a stand. I've got some questions. I can play devil's advocate here. Let yeah, please response. bring it on. You know, I, I got a friend, uh, Joel Block. Do you know Joel? I, I don't think I know Joel. I know okay. a lot of guys. I don't know Joel. I, I don't he helped me set up my fund and he runs a little program if you want to go set up a fund and he'll walk you through that. I am in the state of Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. So state of Texas is a little bit different than a lot of the other places. Um, and things are a little bit easier to do certain ways than others. Um, lease options are a little bit more difficult. They can be done. Contract right. for deeds are not really the way to go. Uh, they can still be done, but a lot more moving parts in that. So anyway, enough of that. Mm-hmm. On, cool. on with the questions. Texas is just slightly different than the rest of the country. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> that was a sarcasm there. It's okay. um, I anyway. Take it, I take it. I take it. No, I don't, but I wear it with a badge. Based on our conversation before we started recording, I think it's good for all the right reasons. I mean, it's different for all the right reasons. Yeah. But um, anyway, so being the bank. So I have my friend Joel Block, he uh, tells me that Matt, the money is in the money, is his quote, right? And I kind of know what that means, but I don't know if it's necessarily been my experience because I've tried both. I've done both. I hold about 50 notes. I hold about 50 properties. And I see a lot of pros and cons for both sides. And I almost see a need for a portfolio to have both. Um, I agree. But uh, to go straight down the bank route, there's two things that I'm thinking about right now. I don't know. Before before I go there, I probably went there too quickly. Why don't you tell me, be in the bank. Like, are, are you buying notes from banks? Are you creating your own notes? Are you buying notes from other investors? Uh, what's tell me about your note business? So yes to all those. I've done okay. all of them. I continue to do them. And if it's a deal, it's a deal. I like buying notes just like people like buying uh, fix and flip properties. And I can buy a note. I can fix the note, and I can mm-hmm. flip the note just like you can a piece of property. I can do the same thing with note. So a lot of times borrowers don't underwrite the. Or excuse me, sellers don't underwrite the borrower files correctly. We got to come in and do some cleanup and you know make sure we have a 1003 application on file and a credit report and. That, but that's how we make the money on that. But I love creating the notes and I love creating them out of, you know, out, out of basically thin air. And what I mean by that is going and acquiring the asset initially, uh, either through some kind of some kind of acquisition, whether it be with cash, hard money, seller financing, or buying it subject to an existing lien. You're talking about the hard asset. The hard asset to sell. So I got to take possession of that for a certain period of time because I got to fix it, right? I got to fix it and make it consumable to, to sell it on a, to an owner finance buyer because that's mm-hmm. all I want to mess with. I don't want to mess with retail. I want to mess only with owner finance buyers. And once I get to that point, then I can create the the, the, the mortgage. And that's that'll be a wrap mortgage for a short period of time, depending on how I have the debt structured on the front side, Okay. Regardless, I'm trying to get for me personally, 
And we can talk about hypothecation. I'm not a big fan of hypothecation where you write all the notes and then you pledge the notes as collateral and borrow it from the bank. I don't like doing that. What I personally do is I like to write a first and a second lien. And I write the first lien uh, at, a, at a dollar amount that allows me to sell that note immediately, get all my capital back out. So I'm in a, I'm in a cash neutral position. There's no cost basis. And then my profit on the deal is a free and clear second lien on the property that I already know everything about, plus whatever cash that comes in transactionally from the from the borrower when I sell it on the on the wrap mortgage. That's what I like to do the most, okay. and I do it quite a bit. So I end up with a bunch of bunch of thirty thousand dollars second liens. But man, if I do thirty of those a year, that's a million dollars almost in free and clear <laughs> notes at a double digit yield with no cost basis. I mean, what's the return on that? I mean, can't even calculate it because there's no cost yeah, basis. It's probably more than five or 6%. Right? It's probably. Probably, but, okay. You know, and it's a great deal for my note buyers when I go to sell that first lien because, well, first of all, banks always get paid, Matt, right? Mm-hmm. I don't give a crap about forbearance or any of that stuff because bank the banks will get paid. They always get paid because they might not get paid today. They might not get paid tomorrow. They might get paid a year from now, but they have that property as security and collateral for the money that they lent to the borrower, right? And so, you might they might have to come and do a loan modification. So, what? Do a loan modification, get what happens? All they do is move it to the back end of the note. Guess what that right. does? Collects let's, amortized let's, payments. Let's pause for a second. Yeah. Let's come back because uh, there's all kinds of stuff where I, I can just sense that <laughs> heads are swirling. Um, so, first and second. So you buy the asset. Yeah. So let's say we bought a little house, right? Yep. You fixed it up, and now you're going to sell it and carry the note back. So you're going to sell it seller financing with you being the seller. That's you're going to finance for your buyer. Okay. So let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar house. Okay. What would be the typical situation of how you put a first and a second on there? How would you sell that? What's that structure look like? So I would take. So I would probably my cost basis. So I I usually write a. Uh, approximately a, a 75% first lien. Okay. And then the second lien is a, is the difference between the sale price and the cash that I receive from the down payment. So if I get a 10% down payment, for example, okay. then the numbers would say I'd have a $15,000 or 15% second lien. Second, got it. Okay. Okay. So then I got that. So that's, that's easy to do. Yep. Easy to, to understand. Now you said you sell the first. That's correct. Okay, so this scenario, 75% is what, $75,000. Mm-hmm. Do you sell it for $75,000? Not quite that because it's because the note has not been seasoned. So I have to pay, I got to take a little bit of a haircut, pay a little bit of discount on it, but I'm pretty close to that number because the, the ultimate, the, the LTV of that first note to that, to that borrower is pretty, uh, pretty low relative to the whole thing. The other, the other reason why I can get close to that amount because I'm still in the deal in the second lien position. So that gives the note buyer also a little bit more security and protection because they know that um, if they don't get paid, I don't get paid basically. Right. Okay. Um, do you have a, a, a typical interest rate or how you determine your interest rate? Yeah. So we, we, we underwrite all the borrowers just like 
Chase or Bank of America or anybody else would do. So we're going to follow Dodd-Frank, Dodd-Frank compliance. Uh-huh. And in Dodd-Frank, it says I can write those notes at APOR plus six and a half percent. And all APOR is, is an annual prime offer rate, which is a government index that says if the rate is 3% today, then I can add six and a half points to that. And that could be my um, my effective rate basically to the borrower. Okay. okay. So That's- most of the stuff I'm writing right now is in that mid nine, nine, nine and a half, nine and three quarters range as we sit here today. Okay. Very good. And then what's the rate you put on the second? So that's another thing. So I get that. So what I personally do is my originate, I, I take the origination fees that I'm allowed to collect and I put them on the second note because that's what I'm going to keep. And then I can actually add, since that's a, that's a junior lien or a, it's not the primary lien on the note, mm-hmm. I can actually add an additional two, two points on that. So I'm writing my second liens in the 10 and a half, 10 and three quarter range. I don't go full value, um, but I'm in, I am definitely in the 10 and a half, 10 and a half range right now on the seconds. Okay. So these are like more than double what the, the market is is a call. Yeah, it's more, it's actually more than, it's probably more than triple. Yeah. No, I was, I was being sarcastic again. Yeah. Well, but, here's, but, <laughs> but you're right. Let's talk about that for a second. If you don't, if you want to, because yeah, yeah. so I'm like, who, who's your ideal customer for this? Well, it's anybody that can't go down to bank of America and get a loan. And that's a big, big number right now, Matt. And especially in a post COVID environment, because there's a lot of people that have had jobs. Um, they've had to change careers. They're no longer W-2. They're, they're doing side hustles and they're making money some other way. If you're an entrepreneur, banks do not like entrepreneurs. Let's just be honest. Right. They don't like the unknown. They want to see a pretty borrower that has a W-2 job that works for, you know, Frito-Lay or wherever it might be. And they want to know that that's how you're going to, that you're going to get paid and it's going to be consistent. And they want to see all that stuff. But that's just not the way America is these days. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, foreign foreigners that are that are that are in the United States that have the right to work in the United States and pay taxes in the United States and are legally in the United States but they can't go buy a house because they don't have a social security number that's one thing or you're an entrepreneur like myself and you as well I have I own multiple companies Matt and I don't get w2s I get just I get just just distributions and mm-hmm. they don't like when you own multiple companies. I could even if I have all the cash in the bank to go buy that that property, they still don't like me. They don't. It's just how they assess the risk. And I don't know the exact um, exact number is right now, but I I, I think the number is above sixty percent, where you that of, of the of the population can't even go down and get a traditional bank loan because of certain factors that that prevent them to do it. Got it. And that's really where we are. And. and and uh, there's a huge marketplace for people that, that want to have home ownership, but just have been told no for whatever reason. And that's, that's our marketplace. Got it. You know, the irony there is, and I'm just kind of occurring to me that my assistant just bought a house and I can't <laughs> because she gets the W-2 paycheck from me, but the person that provides a W-2 paycheck doesn't qualify. Isn't that funny? Right. I mean, I it's ironic. I don't know if it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Let me, just, let, me, let me just, let me, let me put a couple other pieces of data out there because I'm sort of an analytical guy. Sure. So we got 60% of the population can't qualify. Yeah. So that's a good number. Yeah. It's a great number. And so yeah. here's what I'll say. So I tell people to go do the Zillow test. Okay. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't, first of all, most people don't even know that they can write a note and be the bank. Let's be honest. They just don't. 
Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's a $26 billion industry right now, Matt. $26 billion almost, billion with a B. So that mm-hmm. means in the last four years, over $100 billion of notes have been written by people like you and me that aren't named Chase or Bank of America. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty substantial number. Right. Right? So, and why why is that? It's for the reasons that we just said. So here's a test. Here's a little um, exercise or homework assignment I like to have people go in and do to really understand visually what this means. Go to Zillow, and go do a go do a search for properties for sale by a city, a zip code, county, whatever. I like to I like to pick a county, mm-hmm. and you put in and all of us do like Dallas County in Dallas, Texas. Okay, and I'll get it'll say there's three thousand properties available for sale. Okay. Okay, then I go into the refine the search criteria and I go in there and I put leave everything the same and I go in it, I put the keywords in owner financing, seller financing. Mm-hmm. You know what that number, you know, you know what that number drops down to when it said 3,000 before I put those search criteria in? One or two. It's, you can count them on two hands probably. Yep. Because okay. I search all the time to buy for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. So my point is, if there's that, if, if we know that the population needs creative financing or owner financing, whatever term you want to use, because yeah. 60% doesn't qualify, but only half of 1% is available to buy in that, that seems like a pretty good business model and opportunity for me. Yeah. It's economics 101. It's yeah. supply and demand. The demand is far greater than the supply for what we're talking about here. And right. that is the opportunity in my opinion. Yeah, no, I like it. No, it makes sense. I didn't, I didn't you know, I, I, I'm always looking at that from a buyer's perspective, but then I'm looking at it from a seller's perspective that, uh, yeah, you would have very minimal competition on doing There's that. There's very little competition. So why do you um, like the notes better than, say, doing a rent-to-own lease option type structure? Well, I mean, if I was 30, year old, 30, year old, 30 years old, man, I might have a different outtake and um, look at it. But honestly, you know, have you ever had a, yeah, you ever had a mortgage on a house from a, from a traditional lender? You know, um, I got. I just got my first one like last year. Okay, so I just sold my. I just sold my house uh, that I had a Bank of America loan on. Okay, Mm -hmm. I had a thirty-year mortgage, like ninety-nine percent of the population gets, and I literally took twenty-one years and I paid it off. Okay, I never called the bank one time. Never called Bank of America one time when I had that note. Mm -hmm. And most people that have a home mortgage with a with a bank don't call the bank. They don't call them when the toilet breaks or the roof mm-hmm. leaks or they want they need to fix the foundation or replace the water heater or whatever. They don't they don't call. That's the beauty of being the bank. You don't mm-hmm. you you can you control it. It's quite understood that who the owner of the property is, and just the mentality is just a whole different thing. I I just don't. Um, can you make more money doing the other options? Absolutely, absolutely, you probably can. But a lot of things got to go in your favor. You got to have the property occupied. You got to get paid. Okay. I think we learned a lot in the last 15 months. What, what, it, what happens if you're a landlord and you don't get your rent payments, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about the bank will get paid. I'm not sure you can say that about landlords. Mm-hmm. If you got, if you, they, you may get money, you may get some, you could surely put a judgment on somebody, but that doesn't mean you're going to actually get the physical cash. Mm-hmm. And you know, those are things I don't get the depreciation, which is probably the biggest argument, but I do get amortized. I, I do get amortized money and I get it paid and I get all my interest up front and my risk gets mitigated every month that goes by because my exposure and my, what I have out, it goes down. And that it's just a personal preference. It's like ice cream, man. Some people like chocolate, some like 
vanilla. And it just really depends on what your what your preference is. I just prefer to be the bank. I figured this way, if it, if renting properties or and and being a landlord was such a great deal, um, I would fi- I would think that the banks would probably figure out a way to be to do that, and they'd mm-hmm. probably figure a way to get depreciation also. Mm-hmm. And I think the trade off, at least in my eyes, is I like. I like the trade-off that I get from being a bank versus being a lean lord versus being a landlord. Got it. That's rough. But that's hey, to each their own, man. There's a thousand ways you can make money. I'm going to uh, start using that. Hey, I got I got a trademark, and I've got it. Uh, you got lean lord trademarks. I got lean lord. I got the nice. I got the domains. And, yeah, yeah. I thought it was sort of cool. I actually got some shirts made up. Maybe I'll send you one. Yeah, lean lord TM. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. I will give it's you not international, so you could probably market it in Brazil and Costa Rica and there you go. those other countries if you want. Go right <laughs> well, ahead. I'll give you credit each time I say it, okay? There you go. Perfect. All right, so let's go back to our structure. We got now we know where the buyer comes from. That makes sense. 60% can't qualify for a loan. Um, there's very minimal opportunities like this out there, so you got zero competition. So I have found the same thing. Like the buyer pool is is pretty deep if you know how to market the property. So 75% or excuse me, like say there are, go back to our house. We got $75,000 first. And if that's got, you know, a a nine and a half percent interest rate on there, that's a really good piece of paper. And that is a sellable piece of paper for sure. Where do you find that person? Well, I'm one of them, first of all. So, you know, with usanopro.com, that's exactly what we do. We buy, sell, and create mortgage notes. But there's other, just like there's uh, there's other vehicles that you can use for real estate, there's mm-hmm. note buyers and sellers out there just the same. I mean, you go on Google and start uh, sell my note, sell my note fast for cash, just like you would put in <laughs> sell my house fast for cash. It's there. Now, I will tell you this: it, there's not nearly as many of them as there are the other, but it doesn't matter. There's plenty of it. I don't know the exact number that's doing right now. Twenty-five billion. If the average is two hundred, call it two hundred thousand dollars average, and there's twenty-five billion a year. I mean, that's that's substantial. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's there's, it's not that unique. Let's just leave it at that. Banks buy them all the time. Well, I, I built a whole company on this and we sold it to a, to a federally chartered bank. And a lot of the notes that we sold prior to that, we sold to financial institutions because they couldn't create and write what we did, but they could buy them. That's mm-hmm. the other beautiful thing of it is like, okay, that's even better, right? right? You can't do what I can do, but you can, I can sell you what I have. Okay. So you sell the first and then you yeah. hold on to the second. Are you receiving payments on the second? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the cash down, that just goes into your pocket. Yeah. The net cash, because I got to pay marketing fee and overhead and stuff like that. But yeah. So a typical transaction for me right now um, that I'm doing, my net cash on a transaction is about fifteen to $18,000, the net cash. And the, the second lien is about uh, thirty dollars to $33,000 at about 10.5%. And there's no cost basis on it. That's my, so I get some cash now. In the transactional portion of it, and I get some cash flow, right? Over for as long as that note's in play, and mm-hmm. I guess what I also get, I get the I get the lump sum payoff at the end when that when that note either uh, gets paid. I'm going to write a 30 year note, but let's be honest, most notes don't go 30 years, right? Right. right. The average the average lifespan of a note somewhere nine nine and a half ten years now. It's gone up a little bit. So ten years from now, I run the amortization schedule. The title company calls the bank for the payoff. Who's the bank? I'm the bank, right? Mm-hmm. And I run my amortization table based on the 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 terms and the and the rate of the note that I wrote. And I say that the payoff on my original thirty three thousand dollar note ten years from now. I don't have my financial calculator in front of me, but it's probably somewhere around 
26 or 27,000 dollars, mm-hmm. right? So guess what I get when that buyer either sells that property that I that I sold to them or they refinance. I get mm-hmm. a big fat check. Now I just got another 26 or 7,000 dollars. And that's sort of the beauty of the game in my opinion. Instead of taking, instead of just flipping out of and taking all transactional cash. And this is something a lot of wholesalers should and can do. And they don't Mm -hmm. even realize that they can do it. And we work with them all the time. And I know you do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wholesalers are really, they're they're missing so much of the pie when they do it the way that they do it. So you're in second position. So if the, the buyer defaults, you just go ahead and foreclose and take it back and do it all over again. Surely can, because when I write my notes, I, I always have write a first refusal on the first. Right. I write that in there before I sell it. Sure. Um, I do some other little creative things. But at the end of the day, most of the stuff, that's how we write it. And then it doesn't matter how I take it down, right? I could take it down with hard money. I could take it down with cash. I can take it down subject to. I could take it down with seller financing. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, seller financing and subject to are better because I can let that debt ride as long as I need to. I don't even have to sell off the first right away, right? Right, right? Because I'm just arbitraging at that point. I'm just taking the spread, the difference. But guess what? If the note gets called, sell the first note, pay off the underlying debt. Do it all mm-hmm. the time. I, I don't have to do that because that's when we structure it correctly, that never happens. But I can do that. And I've had sellers come back to me two years later, three years later on, on a sub two transaction goes, hey, man, I really need to get this out. I got a government job. They're pulling my stuff. I go, no problem. I'll just sell the note, pay off the debt and be on. I'm not trying to hold anybody hostage on all this stuff. I can make just as much money on the front side or if I wait five years to get it. I'm just trying to, I want to help people, right? This is what this is really about is help solving problems and being problem solvers and not problems. And when I can help a seller short term out of a situation they're in, then that's a good thing for me. And when I can help a buyer obtain home ownership when they've been told no, that's a good thing for me too. And and I get to just you know materially participate on both sides of the transaction. Nice. So when you acquire the asset, you're kind of looking to be all in with the purchase and the rehab at 75%. You know, it's a little tougher right now, Matt, to be quite honest with you. Um, it's probably closer to 78, maybe 80%. But mm-hmm. here's the deal. I don't have to be that inch because I still can take that cash that I have that I got from the down payment. And even if I sell, let's just say my cost basis in this example is $80,000, okay? And I write the first note for 75,000, right? And I sell that first note for let's say $73,000. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm $7,000 in the hole after I sell that first note, right? Well, but I just netted, what is that? Uh, $10,000 in cash. So I could just take that $10,000 cash and pay down. And so now I don't get as much cash on the deal but I still get the whole second note and that's my profit on the deal. So there might be a little less cash. It just, it just really depends on the deal. Okay. All right. So now we can switch to a devil's advocate. Yeah. Bring on the devil. All right. First thing is I'm looking at, I know as a bank holding a mortgage is actually a liability on their books because it continues to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, Are you concerned with that at all? Because your note and, gets smaller. And, and, as me being, as, when I'm being the bank? Yeah, because your note's getting smaller and smaller. That's like true, but I also know that I, I, I also know that the likelihood that it's going to go 30 years mm-hmm. is highly, highly unlikely. And if I see it going that way, I can always cash out on my note. Somebody's always willing to buy. Because you got to think of it this way, Matt. Um, 
there's a lot of people that are looking for alternative investment strategies where a three or 4% return on a securitized investment is a great deal. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for you and me because I can get more, but you know how much money is sitting in IRA accounts, for example, that are self-directed where it's just sitting there, I don't not getting a nickel of interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably $3 trillion out there right now of mm-hmm. idle IRA money that, that people can invest into whatever they want because they, they control it and they don't even know that they can do it. So it's more of an education thing. And there's a lot of people, you know, you can go buy Amazon stock and Tesla stock and whatever you want all day long. But, you know, if any of those go down in value, good, good luck getting one of those two uh, CEOs to pay you your loss, right? At least yeah. I, you have I, don't get, I don't care about the stock market. I was I'm yeah, comparing I don't landlord to landlord right yes. now. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. So that's the first thing. So you're, you're okay. You would rather, rather just sell it and get the cash and lose the cash flow then. That's if I had to, and I just go buy or create something else different, but I'm going to get, but that, that, that rate of return, that interest, that coupon rate, it's there for the life of the note. It just, you're just getting front loaded interest first and a little bit of principal and then it flips, but the payment doesn't change over time. So the effectiveness of that yield, it doesn't, it doesn't change as, as it goes over in time. Right. Okay. So then that takes me to my next thing. Because it doesn't change, which is becoming more and more of a topic these days, uh, your vulnerability to inflation. How are you feeling about that? Well, I, it's a little bit different for me because when I when I'm when I have a zero cost basis on it, I'm not nearly as concerned. And there, the, so the pros and cons of this are whether the market goes up or down. It's it's it, it's it, it's immaterial to me. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's a non-factor because. If the more if the if the property values drop, I'm still getting my thousand dollar a month payment. If the property values go up, I'm still getting my thousand dollar a month payment. Right. If the properties go up in value and I'm getting my thousand dollars, my position's even more secure. So the real risk that comes in is if the property values drop tremendously, and I stop getting my my thousand dollar a month payment. Uh-huh. But there again, that could very easily be the same thing in having a, a vacant property, or not getting paid from a tenant or doing all those other things that go into just, you know, the risk that they right. inherited. Risk that they so have. that's comparing the cash flow to the cash flow. Yep. But then there's other profit centers on the, the physical asset of the real estate as well. True. Right? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm asking you questions and I already know the answer. Oh, I'm glad. But, I, but I, I, like really to, wanted, I like to say it out loud because, yeah. you know, things changed six months ago is not the same as it is today. Right. Well, here's another point to my inflation question is if you get the thousand dollars regardless of what the market does, but I'm talking about what the dollar does. For example, you know, a thousand dollars is a, around a four for a golf at a really nice country club. Yep. In two years, three years, that same round of golf might be thirteen hundred dollars, but you still only have the same thousand dollars. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Um, well, there, you know, there again, if you get, you can surely, but the, the nice thing about these are they're uh, they're very liquid assets, so you can surely, you know dispose of them or sell them or whatever you want and do it and choose to do it. But there again, if things get, if things get, you know, that's a good point. If things start becoming inflation becomes super high, but here's the other thing you got to remember, Matt, is if rates start going up and inflation gets higher, guess what I get to do? I get to do the same thing, right? I get to write higher interest rates. Maybe I'm writing 12 or 13% in on your, on your new deals. Yes. 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 Right. So, I mean, that makes a case for you that you'll always be working. Well, it means a case that I mean, I can, I can just write at a higher rate. So. Right. But you got to go write a new deal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
All right. And then the next thing is, because that, that inflation thing, that's, that's really high on my radar right now because we witnessed yeah. a lot this year. And I'm seeing it everywhere. And just a really simple example is, is my wife's latte was $4 this time last year. And now it's $5. So we see inflation at a 2%. We see the, the cost, the consumer price index at 4%. But no, no, no. We really felt it in our pocketbook at 20%. Yeah. Look at what's going on. Look at how many people are in forbearance right now and are in default. But look how low unemployment is. How the hell does that even make sense? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. Something we're not getting all the information to make the yeah. best decisions that yeah, we can I, make. I can talk about that one forever. Also, yeah, try and stay focused. Yeah, I'm trying, uh, keep me keep me in my lane. Right? No, no, that's good. No, and then the third thing would be, um, gosh, and just the news as of today of what Biden is doing to build up the IRS and their agents and their f- staff and their force, like they are getting direct bank access, implementing AI technology and increasing their agent force by, I don't know, it was like four or five times. And they're going after your dollar and they're going to make sure that you pay your fair share, Nick. And, and so I'm, I'm the, the different way that the, that, that note is taxed versus the, the passive income from the real estate is taxed. Yeah. It's, that's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, yeah. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA, I'm not a financial advisor. So I'm not sure going to give any advice or recommendation. Right. No, we just played two of those on, on a podcast. That's all. Yeah. Thank <laughs> goodness. I got Bob Bloom in my corner. You know right. what I'm saying? Oh, Bob's my guy too. Okay. So we got hey, so, to, Hey, anybody go, go get some asset protection. If he can't help me, nobody can. That's what I keep telling him, man. All right. I'm going to throw that at him. Anyway, all that to be said, I just want to have a little bit of fun with you because I got a bunch yeah. of notes too. So I see, yeah. I see the pros of the notes. I, I like the passive income and no phone calls from anybody, right? So I, I like that. And then uh, with so much re- real estate that I own, I've got so many ter- uh, carry, uh, pro- what they call it, lost carry forwards yep. available to me. I just offset it by doing more notes. And so I can take I that. would be much more concerned if I, like we talked about it just briefly on hypothecating the notes. I think mm-hmm. that could be a dangerous proposition, you know, where you basically take that $100,000 note and you go to the bank and you assign the note as collateral and you borrow, you know, 5% mm-hmm. money, right? On 70% of it. And then you take that money and you reinvest it there. Well, I just not a, I'm not a personal fan of it. A lot of people do it though. And I, you know, when, it, when times are good, everything's good, man. Right. Well, here's the other side of that. You know, if you're going to be aware and conscious of what inflation is doing, because we have inflation is working at us from both directions, from the printing of money, which is one way inflation is created. The second way is supply shock. And we're short on everything right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're short on ketchup packets. In our Chick Fil A, uh, Chick Fil A sauce. Yeah, the Chick Fil A sauce. What's that all about? We're short on the lumber and the steel and the sand to mix the concrete, and it's like, so we have kind of the, both forces that would typically cause uh, inflation, one or the other. But we have both of them working really strong right now, and I see carrying a lot of debt is actually a really good position to be in, being the um, being the debtor or the debtee. No, I want to be the debtor. Yeah, I want to. I want to be borrowing money because that inflation is going to crush my yeah. debt just as much as it'll crush my dollar. Well, that's why I love subject two deals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's cheap bank debt and it's never going to change. Right. Think about right. that for a second. Think about what's been written over the last ten years, Matt. Every gosh darn loan on the planet has been written somewhere between two and a half and five percent. Oh, I know. I mean, well, that's- then then Nick, we go down the other way. 
I'm not going down. I'm not going down. I'm just saying <laughs> you brought up debt. Right. There's your, there's your cheap bank debt that is never going to no, change. No, and I love it. But then all of a sudden, if that starts to increase, that's going to be a real asset that you got this 2 or 3% debt and now everyone else is getting new loans at 5 and 6%. But then there makes the case for now that the, <laughs> the banks might not let the subject to slide so much because they could have wrote that new paper at a higher debt. Maybe. I don't, Maybe. It's, I don't know. We'll see. I can't believe I'm even talking like this. Like, you know, five I years know. ago, I wasn't thinking about this. I was just, just I know. Give me it's crazy. Flow. It's absolutely and crazy. There's but so many other things to think about now. We, can, we keep talking about it long enough. It'll change again before we finish this call. <laughs> exactly. And then with the whole crypto thing and the decentralized finance, what is that going to do to the central banks? <laughs> their, their days are numbered like the printing press. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I, anyway. the world is changing. We got to change fast with it or else we're going to get Exactly. Sure. Exactly. You got to change fast. Exactly. You got to be nimble and you got to be quick. Totally. Well, Nick, it's been a pleasure. Um, the uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? They just reach out to us on our website, usanotepro.com, www.usanotepro.com. They can reach me out there. They can, if they want to talk about notes, buying, selling, creating, lending, there's educational stuff out there. There's what, do you, what, what are the, what's the list of the services that you do there? It's well, we basically buy, buy, create, buy, sell, and create mortgage notes. Buy, we teach sell, people and how to be the bank. That's really what this is ultimately about either either buying it and being the bank or creating it from your own uh, your own efforts you know we did we work with a lot with uh, you know landlords that are tired of being landlords and want to get out of the landlord game because they're tired of not getting paid and converting them they like love the cash flow but they don't like the the, the landlord aspect of it so we teach them how to become a big bank instead of a landlord what we already talked about and there's then there's wholesalers that that we do a lot of work with which we show them how to monetize their dead leads and go get the creative put the creative financing element in it to do exactly what we talked about and then we have people like my mom and my dad and people that have a ton of money sitting in self-directed IRAs and say they don't want to do anything but get get a return and protect their 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 equity and their wealth and I think that one of the best ways to do it is investing in the notes because it's still securitized by that by that physical property, which I personally like. For At least sure. for now, that could change. In, that could change in six weeks, man. Yeah, you never it's, know. It's, it's only three p.m. here, and, and who knows what's going to happen in the it's next. It's early, hour. man. It's stuff early. is changing quickly in this place. Um, well, super. So you can go to usanotepro.com, where Nick and his team will buy, sell, create notes, and or. And they'll also teach you how to do it too. Fair yeah, enough. We, we have some stuff that we're working on right now. It'll be it'll eventually be posted out there. I have some videos out there and sort of walk through some of the modeling. Um, and it's just we just I just I'm all about collaborating and helping people get deals done. And as a result of it, I get more deals anyway. So it's a it's a win win for everybody involved. Sweet. No, I think it's a good business. It's a really good skill and base of knowledge to have. For example, the wholesaler who knows how to do just one thing. You start arming yourself with a few different layers of education. All of a sudden, you can take these small deals and turn them into big deals, yeah. or take these no deals and turn them into deals. Right? Yeah, so that's that's no, it. And that's where we're going to. When this forbearance lifts, man, that's where there's going to be a lot of people that have. This is different than 2007 and eight, man. There's no. We're not going to see short sales. Short sales. We're not. Why would a short sale really exist? These properties have so much equity in them right now. Yep. And and it's debt equity to the to the homeowner. And they're in a they're in a distressed situation. The only way they can get any of that equity out is to sell. They can't loan mod. They can't refinance. They have to sell and go do something else. And 
that's it. And that, that's the only, so there's going to be a huge opportunity for uh, folks to come in and help those people out of those situations. And maybe you buy it with, subject to the existing debt and give them a little bit more for their equity, or it's a huge wholesale model too. And then you do the, whatever you want to do with it from there. Yep. A lot of like with it, with every crisis is followed by opportunity. That's where we're and at right coming, now. Right? Plenty of opportunity. Perfect. So Nick, the lean holder, oh, excuse me, Nick, the lean Lord Legomaro. It's actually Nick, the note guy, man. I just Nick like, the note guy. okay, we can Nick do that too. So I love the lean Lord. I think this is great. I like play on words like that. And this is, I know, I know it's anyway, all good, man. It's been a pleasure. If you want to catch Always. up with Nick, go to usanotepro.com. And Nick, let's stay in touch. We'll do this again. All right, buddy. Thanks for your time. You bet. Take care. All right. And I'll be back with the news right after this. When you go to work for your money, does it return the favor? If not, no worries. You do not have a money problem. You merely have an idea problem. We're CashflowSavvy.com, and we'd like to share a new idea with you around income real estate that can transform your financial future and accelerate its arrival. Go to CashflowSavvy.com and download a free investor's package. CashflowSavvy.com. You do not have a money problem, merely an idea problem. CashflowSavvy.com. More ideas, less worries. CashflowSavvy.com. All right, in the news, Senator Rand Paul out of Kentucky had just two words in response to news of unearthed emails from Dr. Anthony Fauci this week. If you didn't know, thousands of emails obtained by BuzzFeed News and hundreds more reviewed by the Washington Post through Freedom of Information Act requests show Fauci's responses to both critics and high praise as he worked to communicate the dangers of COVID-19 to the U.S. as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. In one particular email, he was thanked for playing down the possibility of the virus being born in a lab. And Senator Rand Paul had just two words. Told you. Paul wrote that in a Tuesday tweet. And, uh, you know, you never want to be that guy that says, I told you so. That's never like a cool thing to do. But sometimes you just can't resist. <laughs> and I can imagine Senator Rand Paul is feeling rather vindicated this week, just like Senator Tom Cotton last week and Dr. Atlas the week before. Longtime Duke men's basketball coach Mike Krzyzewski is calling it quits after 46 years. Krzyzewski will retire after the 2021-22 college basketball season after putting together a coaching career for the ages. He led the Blue Devils to five NCAA tournament championships, 12 Final Four appearances, and he won 1,170 games which is the most in men's college basketball history. So congrats to him. The hits keep coming. Shares of AMC, the largest movie theater chain in the world, surged more than 120% Wednesday to a new peak above $70 before falling back slightly. Trading of the shares was halted twice due to volatility. The stock closed Wednesday at $62.55, up 95% for the day. I actually own a few of those, and I didn't even know this until I read this in the news. I should probably check on them. I think I bought them at eleven dollars, and now they're just now they're sixty-two dollars. That's a pretty good return. I think I only have three or four shares though. But hey, it's better than a hole in the head, right? The Olympics are still on despite a ton of backlash. The spotlights on Tokyo and uh, Simone Biles, of course, beginning July twenty-third. Sick of being indoors? All U.S. national parks are free to enter on August 4th and August 25th. The first NFL preseason game is August 5th with the Steelers versus the Cowboys. Broadway returns to New York September 14th. 
And no spectators were allowed at the 2020 U.S. Open, but tennis fans can fill the stands this year from August 30th to September 12th. And speaking of tennis, this weekend, there's been more back and forth than tennis fans are used to. Naomi Osaka, star tennis player and the highest earning female athlete in the world, dropped out of the French Open this week. The backstory here is Osaka announced last week that she wouldn't be doing any press during the tournament saying that press conferences were bad for her and other players' mental health. And uh, quite honestly, I don't blame her a bit. It just takes one bad reporter these days to publish a a bad story or with a little bit of misinformation or to make a mistake, whether that's honestly or accidentally. And then all you got to do is just watch social media take off with it. And that's no fun. I wouldn't want to deal with the press either if I were her. So uh, kudos to her for standing her ground. It was kind of expensive. She was fined and everything. And she said, nope, ain't going to do it. Hopefully, uh, she will uh, be participating in the future, and hopefully, she'll get some more understanding from the powers that be of the National Tennis Association. I think that's called the NTA, National Tennis Association. All right. Democrats in the Texas House of Representatives staged a walkout to block the passage of a restrictive voting bill opposed by many corporations, including American Airlines and Dell. And President Joe Biden is comparing that bill to Georgia's voting bill. And putting them both in the lump sum of Jim Crow in the 21st century and an attack on the right for black and brown people to vote. You know, if this is true, these are two very bad bills and we should oppose these. But you know what? I've read the bills, both of them. And I've read the Jim Crow laws as well. And I'm totally missing it. I don't see the comparison at all. I read the whole thing on everything. And uh, I realize this is a very sensitive subject, so I'm not making light of it. I mean, I really do want to know. So if there are similarities that I'm missing, um, please send me an email pointing out as such. I must not be reading in between the lines in the right place. Uh, Legal cannabis sales in the U.S. passed $17.5 billion in 2020, a 46% increase over 2019. American Airlines and Southwest are delaying offering alcoholic beverages on flights due to an increase in unruly passengers. And speaking of unruly people, a Boston Celtics fan was arrested after he threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving's head, the latest in a string of incidents where fans have targeted NBA players. Come on, peeps, grow up. You can handle it. And then uh, porta potty companies are struggling to meet demand. And uh, that's all I got there. I thought that was an interesting headline. And it made for a good, uh, what do you call that? Um, Pattern interrupt. I don't know what's causing (laughs) the excessive demand of porta potties. I guess on all the construction sites, right? That would make sense. So the UK recorded zero new daily coronavirus deaths yesterday for the first time since the pandemic began. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has pegged June 21st for a full reopening and industry groups are pressuring him to follow through. Krispy Kreme filed to go public this week under the ticker symbol D-N-U-T, Dunut. A much better choice than K-R-P-Y, crappy, but less creative than G-L-Z-D, glazed. There are three stats that illustrate the travel industry's rebound. Number one, American Airlines expects 47 of its top 50 corporate accounts to start traveling again this year in a promising sign for business travel, per the Wall Street Journal. Number two, TSA screened nearly 2 million passengers at U.S. airports this week, on Friday specifically, the most since the pandemic began. And number three, Hilton's CEO said that Saturday night of Memorial Day weekend was the busiest its hotels have been in the COVID era. 93% of rooms were occupied. 
And President Biden is suspending all oil and gas leases in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, reversing a signature policy of former President Trump. Can you say $5 a gallon? Now for this week in crypto. This Week in Crypto is sponsored by MyFirstCryptoCourse.com. It's the beginner's guide to investing in crypto assets that will show you how you could safely 10 to 20x your money this year with Bitcoin, even if you're brand new to crypto. For a limited time, Mike Dillard will give you three of the top crypto assets he's invested in in this year. So go to MyFirstCryptoCourse.com. MyFirstCryptoCourse.com. Alrighty, Guggenheim. Active Allocation Fund, controlled by global investment and advisory firm Guggenheim Partners, has announced plans to launch a new fund that may seek investment exposure to cryptocurrencies with an emphasis on Bitcoin. Canadian light electric vehicle LEV manufacturer Daymac announced Spiritus, its upcoming electric car that will come with its own comprehensive crypto infrastructure. The model should support some crypto operations, including mining for Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, and Dogecoin during charging, and is set to debut in 2023, the company stated. I might be in line for that car. I got to see what it looks like first, but that might be uh, worth, uh, that car just might pay for itself. Beginning August 3rd, Google advertisers offering crypto exchanges and wallets targeting the United States may advertise those products and services when they meet several requirements and are certified by Google. The company said this week and it's updated policy. You know what that means? Translation to more mass adoption. Once those wallets and exchanges can start advertising their services and their products, that's only going to bring more people into crypto and it's only going to drive the price up. This is the part that gets me so excited is when these household names get involved and they just keep getting participating or they keep participating and making it more popular. And, uh, you know, it's not too late. In fact, it's still very, very early. But uh, you can only listen to so many of these headlines before you realize, wow, it seems like everybody's in this but me. It's going to get there. And speaking of household names, Coinbase is partnering with Apple and Google Wallets for crypto purchases as mobile payment usage is on track to surpass half of smartphone users by 2025. And that's This Week in Crypto, and that is the show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a good chance you do know someone else who would, and when their name comes to mind, please share with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here, and I'll take great care of them. Alrighty, that's it for today. God loves you, and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio. Yo. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.